Welcome to another episode of Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who is striving to play advanced level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 16.4, the fourth and final episode in a series where we have explored the intersection of color and music through a collection of piano pieces by Kevin Olson called Impressions on Color. We started with blue, went to red, then green, and now we're kind of back to where we started, with Indigo. Indigo is the unsung hero of the rainbow, the Ringo star of the spectrum, if you will. I've personally never met someone whose favorite color is Indigo, and it's often left out of children's drawings because Indigo isn't one of the standard Crayola crayons. Even some scientists disagree about the need for indigo to be separate within the color spectrum. Isaac Newton was the first to include indigo as one of the seven colors of the spectrum, as he discovered the effect prisms have dividing light into visible color wavelengths. But years later, a scientist who shared Newton's first name shared an entirely different opinion. Biochemist Isaac Asimov said, it has never seemed to me that indigo is worth the dignity of being considered a separate color. To my eyes, it seems merely deep blue. So today, let's restore indigo's dignity. Let's uncover the mysteries of indigo, and finally give it the respect that it deserves. Indigo is one of those colors that was not conventionally named and given an original word but instead is named after an object from the natural world, kind of like orange or violet. But there's not a fruit or a flower that is named indigo. Instead, it's a plant. A plant that was used to create a rich blue dye for dyeing textiles. The oldest known fabrics that were dyed with indigo date back over 6,000 years to Peru. Indigo was also known to be widely used in ancient Japan, China, Egypt, Greece, Rome, and India. India was actually the earliest production center for indigo. The demand for indigo was so high in the late 19th century that India devoted 2,700 square miles to its production, which is larger than some countries. Because of the lucrative price that it fetched, it was known as blue gold. Indigo was a keystone to colonial America, and it played a major role in kickstarting an independent, functional economy. It was the second main export of the South Carolina colony after rice. The colonists grew rice in the marshy areas, and indigo in the high and dry ground. Benjamin Franklin took 35 barrels of indigo with him to France in hopes of enlisting the help of the French during the Revolutionary War. 
It may also explain why they decided to include an indigo-like blue in the American flag. They might have named it Old Glory Blue, but it rose by any other name, right? Indigo. It's the color of jeans, blueberries, and... Hmm. That's, that's kind of all I got. Indigo is still fighting for recognition from its neighbors blue and purple in most circles. But there's one area that recognizes it as its own unique color. And that's in the New Age movement. In New Age beliefs, indigo represents the sixth chakra, which also includes the third eye. Meaning that the color is related to intuition and spiritual knowledge. Goethe may not have recognized indigo as a specific color in his color theory, but we can substitute it for violet for our purposes. Violet was Goethe's color for unnecessary, and it's associated with the melancholic temperament, which was related to the mysterious and imaginary substance of black bile, and it also incorporated the color red. Kevin Olson plays into similar ideas in his impressions of indigo, including the adjectives deep, intuitive, and spiritual underneath the title. It seems like Olson himself may have some awareness of the New Age movement, and is in touch with his third eye. He also recognizes the unique attributes of this mysterious color, and out of all seven pieces in this collection on colors, indigo is the only one that is written in a minor key. D minor, the key of serious rumination. Melancholy, feminine, brooding worries, contemplation of negativity. The color theory related to musical keys doesn't explicitly spell out colors for minor keys, but check this out. It describes minor keys like looking through a barrel of murky, oily water into the color of the relative major key at the bottom. The relative major key of D minor is F major, which is the color of pale blue. So D minor is like looking at pale blue through murky, oily water, which is about as close to indigo as we're going to get. So aside from the episode on red, which used the golden key of C major, Olsen nailed the colors to the keys according to this theory. Three out of four is pretty good. It makes me think it's more than just a coincidence, and Olsen had this theory in mind as he was composing. To continue our box streak, one of the most prolific and well-known pieces in D minor is the Halloween favorite, Toccata and Fugue.
the stereotypical soundtrack for Dracula's Manor. Olsen not only sets apart his piece on Indigo with the minor key, but he also decides to make it the longest selection in the entire collection. The common motif that runs throughout the entire piece is repetitive 16th notes that provide a mysterious backdrop and gives the music a cerebral quality. It sounds like music of the mind, and it actually reminds me a bit of Wayne's World when they dissolve to a flashback. Pretty similar, right? Anyway, we have the right hand playing these 16th note runs, and that sets the mysterious stage. Then a melody emerges in the left hand. From here, the same melody repeats, but the left hand periodically jumps over the right hand to create an echo effect. Jump. 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 The right hand is undisturbed and keeps doing its 16th note thing, but the left hand is jumping all over the keyboard. Then, about halfway through the piece, we experience a dramatic key change from D minor to G major, and the 16th note motif swaps from the right hand to the left. This is a significant change in sound, and this is also one of the two dynamic peaks of the piece. The right hand now plays the melody and jumps over the left hand to provide a bass line. The piece soon finds itself back in the minor key where it started, and it replaces the melodic duties back to the left hand. The piece climaxes with a crescendo to another grand key change, once again to a major key, but this time to A major, and it announces its arrival with the lowest note on a standard piano, which also happens to be A. The piece ends with the falling cascade of 16th notes down the piano, and then finally comes to rest with the series of chords at the end, putting to bed the 16th notes that have been running for the entire duration of the piece. This is Kevin Olson's Impressions on Indigo.
And with that, we will wrap up our series on color and music and wish Mr. Kevin Olson farewell for now. For the next series in two weeks, I'd like to jump back in time a bit and we'll discuss some of the greatest hits from one of the greatest composers that we haven't talked about on this podcast yet, Mr. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Talk to you then. You can find the standalone recording of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or leaving a five-star review. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember, the piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.